The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Yes, this afternoon. There's a couple of things I want to talk with him about. Uh, number one, the latest on the blockades happening across the country and the protests in BC and potential movement on that front. Uh, Richard Zussman is the legislative reporter in BC for Global News. He's been watching developments closely. Considering the B.C. legislature has really been uh, ground zero for many protests, including one today, and want to talk with him about recall legislation with him. Why? Well, because B.C. is the only province to have it. Richard, happy to have you back on the show. Sheila, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, let's start with uh, yeah, more protesters on the steps of the B.C. legislature today, more demands as well. What has it been like over the past couple of weeks as this has really reached a boiling point? Yeah, here at the legislature, the protesters reached a crescendo a few weeks ago uh, during the throne speech when yeah. they blockaded the doors and then there was a legal injunction sought uh, by the speaker's office here to restrict them from doing that in the future and the encampment on the front steps then dissipated uh, but it returned a few days ago much more respectful now you know there's less people uh, it's a different tone uh, okay. this is i think what protest is supposed to be. Mm. They are here at the legislature. They are sending a political message. They are not interfering with the daily workings of the legislature. They are not interfering uh, with the injunction that's been put in place for the building. And they held a press conference this morning where they explained that these are Indigenous youth who are leading this, mm-hmm. and they spoke about how they feel their voices haven't been listened to, that Indigenous youth have not been heard in the process of reconciliation, and many say they believe the process of reconciliation is dead. But, you know, it's, and, and we expect they, they haven't given any timelines of how long they will remain here uh, to continue to send that message in support of the five hereditary Wet'suwet'en chiefs uh, who are opposed to the coastal gas lake uh, pipeline that's uh, heading towards Kitimat for the LNG Canada project. Yeah, let's talk about those hereditary chiefs. Uh, One of them today saying that um, things are, that progress being made on some of the conditions set by the chiefs for meeting with federal and provincial leaders over the pipeline. Uh, Some, he he was saying that it could happen as early as tomorrow. What's the latest on that? Yeah, I think we've heard these ideas that the meetings are about to happen and Mm. then things derail them. Uh, you know, Scott Fraser, the Indigenous Relations Minister here in British Columbia, went up to Smithers for a meeting with the hereditary chiefs. He waited in a waiting room for six hours and then came back to Victoria when it was obvious the meeting wasn't going to happen. There have been some conversations a few weeks ago, but nothing since these blockades really escalated. Mm. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think it's a good sign that we've heard from Chief Namox and others that they're getting closer to being able to determine a time to meet with Carolyn Bennett, the federal minister, Scott Fraser, the D.C. minister. Uh, but I think we've, we've been down this road before and we've been close to having this meeting between the federal, provincial and the hereditary chiefs and it hasn't happened. Yeah, it just seems like the goalposts keep being changed uh, all the time. And you heard the prime minister last week saying, you know what, we can only do and, and put our all, you know, hand out so many times to get this done. So it would be done, it would be a good thing to finally get it done. Let's start the process. Let's start talking. Uh, I know today that there was, what, over 50 uh, health professionals in B.C. signed an open letter to the prime minister and uh, to Premier Horgan calling for an end uh, to the GasLink project. Uh, Premier Horgan has said that he is committed to this project, not backing down, and I suspect that's uh, what we continue to hear. 
It is. He is committed. This is a project uh, that he believes he's brought over the finish line. Uh, the LNG Canada, and the, and the whole idea of LNG in British Columbia was one that uh, our former Premier Christy Clark was a strong advocate for. Premier Horgan was able to get the final investment decision on this project. He believes that the consultation with Indigenous communities has been strong. There is sign-on from 20 Indigenous communities along the route, uh, and he is committed to getting this project done. He believes the courts have ruled around this issue uh, and that uh, there's a confidence no matter how many letters he receives um, or as the protests evolve, he wants to be part of dialogue with Indigenous communities, work towards the UNDRIP legislation passed here in BC, but uh, with the idea that this project and this pipeline will be done. And Richard, have you been watching uh, some of that video coming out from Eastern Canada today from the uh, Tiana and Denega uh, Mohawk Territory with the train and the, the people on the, on the rail tracks? Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, and then throwing pallets onto the, onto the, uh, onto the rail tracks and, and fires right. and stuff as trains are trying to go by. I have some audio coming up. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll continue to watch this out of BC. We'll continue to watch this at what's going on in eastern Canada as well. Uh, one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, Richard, of course, and why we dialed you up was, uh, you know, recall legislation. Uh, the throne yeah. speech yesterday here in the province. Budget goes tomorrow. The Alberta government has said it will introduce a, a recall act allowing constituents to remove their MLAs, municipal councillors, mayors, school board trustees <laughs> uh, from office between elections and uh, that goes much farther than what is in place in BC. Tell us about yeah. the legislation there because um, it was voted in I think there was a referendum or it was on a, it was on a ballot uh, way back when and it yeah, got 1991. To 1991 and it was approved like at 80%? Yeah and so this is one of those tools that BC is unique in having and the way as I'm sure you described and people are learning about over the last 24 hours, recall campaigns give the power back to constituents after they've elected somebody, but the thresholds are high and no one has ever successfully been recalled here in British Columbia. There have been a few that have been really close. Paul Rietzma, yeah. uh, MLA, 1998, there was a recall campaign and the organizers believed that they had the numbers and Rietzma resigned oh, okay. uh, before actually having the numbers counted. Uh, Ida Chong was another MLA, a liberal MLA here, who in the height of our debate around the harmonized sales tax, which British Columbians ultimately ended up uh, kicking to the curbside in a referendum, uh, organizers were very close in getting her recalled as an MLA uh, because ultimately it takes you need to get, I think the threshold here in BC is 40% mm. of all constituents um, who are registered to vote in the last election must sign the paperwork and then Elections BC carefully goes through that. It's a massive organizational task um, and but it is a tool that British Columbians respect that they have in terms of if they believe that their MLA um, has uh, done things against their wishes. You know, it's often threatened when a politician falls on the wrong side of a public opinion issue. Some locals start stirring up what we're going to launch a recall campaign, but it's very hard to get the momentum to actually get one that works. Okay, and because I was wondering if um, if you know off the top of your head if, if other recall campaigns have been initiated and then just fallen by the wayside. Tons. Like Tons. Here uh. in British Columbia, yeah. So we saw one recently with 
Speaker Daryl Plekis. So he's our high-profile speaker who uh, sought out corruption here at the legislature and got a lot of national attention and, and for sure provincial attention because of it. And some locals there were mad at him about this because he became an independent MLA instead of a Liberal. And that campaign fittered out very quickly. And a lot of organizers told me it was just the cost associated with mm-hmm. it was far too much. The same with our Attorney General, David Eby. You know, we get all these emails saying, I'm starting a recall campaign against <laughs> David Eby. And then nothing actually goes through. So it's often used as a tool. They fall to the wayside, but it is. You know, it's one of those pieces of legislation that I think there's some pride in having that if something egregiously goes wrong with an elected official, the citizens have the power to act. I was just going to say that. That was kind of my my last question or my last point, though. Even though it might not uh, be implemented often or it might not have been used fully to the to the extent, um, I think BC, uh, folks in B.C. like knowing that it's there. Yeah, and, and it's important to note that it's never been successful. Like, not once since 1991 has an MLA been recalled. But the Paul Reese McKay's uh, is one that you have to look at and say he probably would have been recalled. Yeah. He just quit before it happened. But, yeah. But the tangible fact is it's never actually been used, but... People are happy that we have it. Well, it's an interesting story. I'll tell my listeners about it uh, after we're done here. So it'll be interesting to see where that level, that the, that threshold is as, as number, you know, the, uh, the amount that you have to get here in Alberta. I think it's very interesting that ex- it ex- extends to municipal leaders as well yeah, and, and school trustees. My gosh. Because uh, it's such a smaller pool, right? Yeah. And so if you're in a small community of a few thousand people, it may be easier to start getting people behind you to get rid of the mayor of a town of 2,000 people rather that it is get rid of an MLA who represents a community of the uh, riding of 30 or 40,000. Yeah, yeah. People. Richard, always great to talk to you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Jalen. Appreciate it. Thanks uh, for having me. All right, Richard Zussman, who joins us from uh, the BC Legislature today. He has uh, been the legislative reporter there for a long time, as you heard, um, you know, those protests there, um, saying, you know, really that they're protesting probably how they should be, uh, not not blocking the doors, allowing the work at the ledge to continue on. Um, he did mention uh, Paul Rietzma uh, back in 1998, and this is an interesting one, and just uh, I thought I'd mention it to you, is back, um, yeah, So the late 90s, he resigned his seat when it appeared that a recall petition would be successful and that he would have become the first person to ever be recalled under the the legislation. Here's what's happened. He was accused of uh, writing letters to newspapers under assumed names praising himself, attacking his political opponents. Uh, And that's uh, when a newspaper in Parksville had uh, asked uh, a former Mountie handwriting expert to compare writing samples of um, Ritsuma's handwriting and, and that of letters to the editor submitted by a fellow by the name of Warren Batanko. And then they ran a story entitled MLA Ritsuma's a liar and we can prove it. Anyway, he uh, he stepped down before he could be officially recalled. Um, just an update on what is happening uh, as well in eastern Ontario with 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 these uh, protests on the on the rail lines there in Tyanadega, uh, Mohawk Territory. Um, the protest there is growing. So that's just kind of outside of uh, the Kingston area. 
And um, the news director for Global Kingston, his name is Jay Westman. He's on the ground there. Uh, freight trains go right by the encampment uh, where the protesters have set up. And earlier today, there was a live stream from a protester on scene that showed demonstrators lighting a fire beside the track and then under a train which had to be extinguished. There is a good pile of, of pallets and other wood and firewood as well as some cans of gasoline which are um, right beside the tracks where the uh, the protesters have formed up an area of uh, a bit of like an encampment that's been there since um, the blockades of uh, earlier this week and last week. All the tools are there, um, which is, I'm sure, adding to the uh, the anxiety for police, wondering if, uh, you know, the next train that comes through might be the one that uh, uh, they'll try to light another fire or, or place some of those objects on the, on the tracks. Yeah, I watched video uh, this afternoon of pallets being thrown, like, onto the, on trying to get onto the rail tracks as trains are going by, which is complete BS, completely unacceptable. And, uh, you know, you sit back and wonder, what the hell's going on? Like, why is this being allowed to happen? Um, news director, and again, Global Kingston's news director, Jay Westman, on scene uh, here, he's saying that he suspects this isn't going to end anytime soon. There's been no change on either side. It does really seem like a standoff with no end in sight. And on a regular basis, more vehicles have been arriving with protesters who will get out and, and uh, embrace the, the group that's there. So it has grown now, uh, probably to about, I'd say, 30 to 40 individuals spread out over the whole encampment, um, aside from the 10 or so that are up to the track. Okay, so I had told you, and we and, and Eileen mentioned it in the newscast as well, about some of this video, this live stream that was taken earlier today. And uh, it was protesters standing... Uh, in front of uh, uh, of a train as it was coming down the tracks and um, and moving out of the way with just seconds to spare. Take a listen. The train's not stopping. The train's not stopping. Jesus. as that train goes by the the guy that was on the tracks finally gets out of the way and and here's some commentary from a protester who was who was filming it all so as you folks just saw that was uh despite there being warriors on the tracks the train just rolled right through did not stop did not attempt to stop uh did not uh, attempt to stop get off the damn tracks Get off the tracks. Um, so here we are, and again, that's in eastern Ontario. That is uh, at Tyana. I used to live near here, so I should know how to say it. Tyandanaga, uh, Mohawk Territory. Can let you know as well that protesters have reinforced a rail blockade on the Ganawaki Mohawk Territory south of Montreal. And um, First Nation members there are warning that any police efforts to forcibly remove the site would be seen as an act of aggression. The Quebec Premier today, uh, Premier Legault, um, concern about weapons uh, that are available to some of these protesters. But again, we'll keep you updated uh, throughout the afternoon and in the coming days as this happens. But uh, check out that video. Um, it's unreal and it's unacceptable is what it is.